0: Goody,
1: goody, yum, yep. yum. This is a, a little number that uh, Graham penned. Yeah, okay. we we'll wax this one. Um, we, uh, I we haven't got it quite right yet. Not
0: quite. It's, uh, <coughs> this is it. It's like, anyway. Here goes. Okay. One, two. One, two, three, four, five. If I were a pretty little sparrow, if I were a pretty little sparrow, if I were a pretty little sparrow, I'd sing tweet tweet all day. Tweet 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 This week, episode 28, we are looking at the episode Superstar, sometimes known as Rockstar. Now, gentlemen, this episode was first broadcast on the 7th of July, 1973, a Saturday at 9.50pm. We'll notice that that's about four months after the last episode (laughs) and quite a few months before the next episode. Let's tell that story before we get into this, because I think it gives some context to the discussion we're about to have.
2: Yes, this was filmed as Episode 7 of Series 3. The production of Series 3 and Series 4 ran straight off each other. Series 4 was actually filmed as the second half of Series 3. But uh, yes, this one got into a little bit of trouble with the BBC higher-ups, with the result that it was held back for four months.
0: I think when we get to the end of this discussion, there won't be any doubt about why that is.
2: (laughs) Yes, I can't begin to imagine.
0: Okay, so let's discuss it. Uh, First of all, I suppose we should start, as we always do, with what did we think, Richard?
2: It's a very different episode from The Goodies Run. Look, it's not without its flaws, and I think there is a lot that you would struggle to do now, but I really enjoyed it. I thought it was really, really funny. A bit of history... It's not one I ever remember being screened here in Australia. Apparently, from the research I've done, yes, it was, but I haven't been able to find exactly when. I suspect it's made screened once and then never again. But I first saw it, I got a really several-generation tape copy off somebody. So for me, it was really very much an unknown episode for a long time. I do remember getting a slightly better copy a little while after that. But, yeah, this isn't an episode I really have strong memories of at all.
0: Yeah, I, I can echo a lot of that. It is in tone very different I think to anything else the goodies have done but there was a lot I liked about it but again my memories were shaped by the fact that prior to watching it for this episode I'd only watched Superstar once before about 20 years ago and the copy I had and I think I have probably got it from the same source you did Richard was a VHS copy that was so many generations old that the picture dropout and the sound dropout was so bad it actually was physically painful to watch. I'll, I'll discuss a particular part of that later on when we get when we get there. But that actually really put me off this episode because it was physically painful to watch. And look, you couldn't get the gags because the sound drop out was so no. bad and, and all that. And so I sort of relegated in my memory to being pretty awful. Watching a lovely restored copy now, look, some of it is shocking, <laughs> but quite funny. And wrong.
1: And <laughs> Well, if it was ever screened here in the 70s, I have absolutely no recollection of it, so this is my very first viewing of it. Like both of you, there are certainly very questionable moments in the episode, but putting those aside, I think this may be the best episode of the show since at least Pirate Radio Goodies. I really enjoyed it, and I thought it was very, very, very funny
0: right i don't know if i'm going to agree that it was that good but i certainly found it funny but we'll explore it so the whole context of the episode is really a satire or a probing of this idea by the 70s that music was a completely manufactured industry and to the point that later on when bill becomes a star he's actually in the charts before he's even made music and all the articles are not about the music they're about you know, him bit, and his lifestyle him and his lifestyle and that, that sense that music's become this completely manufactured industry I think that, that's really the core really the core of it, it. yeah, yeah. Mm. so it starts off essentially by talking about that decline in music it has Tim and Graham and Bill as well at the start
2: they're listening to the top 40 or whatever on the radio which of course they start having that the acts like you know the running sores uh, and whatever which allows them to, to reuse that joke of beeping the offensive music. Yes. Which is a whole over from the, I'm sorry, I'll read that again days.
0: Yes. But it does actually accumulate in this occasion with an overt, essentially, well, it's not actually a swear, but an, a, a clearly implied where mm. Tim says, well, it's a buzz buzz in disgrace. <laughs> 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 which is, a, which is a, really, I can't think not an of another example that in the goodies.
2: No, not that. I mean, there is an example later in the series. Oh, okay. But not by one of the characters. Oh, okay. But... Yeah, we'll, we'll cross that bridge when we come to it. I did actually notice Tim puts his Mary Whitehouse glasses on yes. when he's yes. about to start picking
0: on the music. Yes, yes. and there, there is actually quite a nice little line in there where Tim says, it's up to us, and Graham says, as the self-appointed. Yes. <laughs> which, again, you know, given the context of they'd previously made fun of Mary Whitehouse and the fact that these self-appointed yes. judges of what was culturally appropriate. Yes. And they're again saying, well, you know, who are you to make this judgement? Once again, though, they're not hired. And, in no. fact, they really get into the story in quite a tangential way because they just decide they're going to write a nice song.
2: Yes, and that Tim will write it.
0: <laughs> yes. And you sort of see the look Bill gives him when he says, I'll write it myself. Well, and it includes that wonderful bit from Graham about, well, we could always go and write an old, oh, why do I give him ideas? <laughs> <laughs> now, I've got to say, I assume that Billody actually did write the little birdie song that they present on the It season. Sounds very
1: much like something that Bill would write. I think so. I have to say
2: that is one of my notes about this. There is something extremely amusing about three grown men singing
0: If I Were a
2: Pretty Little Sparrow <laughs> <laughs> I'd
0: sing twink, twink, all day. But it's really funny because the song is very cleverly structured mm. to sound awful. Mm. Like it's not a badly written song. It's a well written song deliberately designed to sound Terrible. Yes. And they play it really convincingly.
2: Yes. Of course, we we're, by this point, we've met the agent, yes. Isabel Chintz.
0: Yes. So, she's played by Barbara Mitchell, mm. who I couldn't find any sort of really big credits there. She's in a lot of sitcoms in small parts, though. Yes. Uh, and unfortunately died only four years later at the age of 43. That's yes. right.
2: Yeah, I, I must admit, I have to say, I thought she was great.
0: She's brilliant.
2: Yeah.
1: I, I can see how some people would... Find her performance grating. I mean, that sort of broad Australian accent that to me she's putting on, mm. Mm. and sometimes I thought it just sort of drifted a little bit too far. But yeah, she gives a really good performance as this person who is completely sold out, you know, and and is prepared all her to do yeah. yeah, and is yeah. prepared to do absolutely anything to generate publicity and a buck.
0: Utterly false, utterly mercenary. Yeah, yeah, but utterly convincing in her mm.
2: performance. It's interesting because you could say she very much overshadows the goodies. I mean, she's taller than all of them. Yeah, but. That's the kind of role, I think, really, that, that demands that sort of performance. I, I thought she was great.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And it's to the goodie's credit, actually, that they could have given that role to a male actor. Yep. Instead, they've given it to a female actress. Mm. And I think it works. Well, it works. Mm. Very much so.
0: Yeah, no, that's really good. She decides that they're not the act for her.
2: She says, you know, she'll come in at the end of the Gimmick would be they grab a turkey and
1: get the red hot <laughs> <laughs> And it's actually, at this point, I understand what you were saying, Dave, earlier about it's a satire on manufactured pop bands. One of the other things I took away from Mm. this was, was there a controversy at this time about bands with violent lyrics? And that sort of thing, is it, is it the sort of, uh, you know, Black Sabbath... Who was the lead singer of Black Sabbath? Uh, Ozzy Osbourne. Is it that sort of botting off the heads of doves and yeah, that sort of thing? Yeah, so that was, that was a bit later, probably, bit later. Okay. Um,
2: with him. Uh, you're probably in the... Uh, probably in the uh, I think this is roughly when you sort of more get into Billis, Randy, Pandy, that sort mm. of androgynous, because you're in the sort of Mark Boland,
1: David Bowie, Ziggy uh, Stardust yep.
2: type era. I think there had been a bit of a backlash... I think around some of the, the imagery and that mm. in music, I mean, there was Alice Cooper who, again, was a lot of makeup, but I, I think yep. his stage shows even then were sort of a fair bit of mock violence and that, yep. I think, in them.
1: Okay. Um, that's, that's what I was picking up on. And even later when we see them on that talent show, I thought that they were sort of satirising that sort of violent tendency in the lyrics, but they're also later on drawing the audience in by m- making the lyrics... Violent and yet funny. Like you're making the audience complicit Uh, in a way.
2: I mean, they even do that thing with Cliff Richard, who I mean, had a very clean and cultivated and, you know, image where, you know, he's obviously just screaming abuse and swearing down the phone at her. And of course she's like, Cliff's language?
0: So we then move on to them actually performing on the Maxi Grease show.
2: I, thought that, I must admit, I thought that was really funny too. This cause... whole
0: sequence is very clever. Now, interesting note, there's a number of occasions there where they cut to the audience. Yes. Now, the first two rows of the audience act by...
2: The, the grannies, the obviously, grannies they got in. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. But behind that, you can clearly see just the regular... That, that's audiences. the real goodies audience. And yeah. some of them are loving it, and some of them are a little bit freaked out. I think they're <laughs> they're There's a, a camera, camera point with well,
2: them. I expect if you'd come in to watch the goodies being recorded, this really wouldn't be what you were expecting. No. to someone coming on singing a song about eating their family pets.
0: <laughs> but interestingly enough as well, looking at the audience, like everybody's in a tie yep. or a mm. jacket or you know, the, the, the wife's dressed up with the
1: headscarf. headscarf
0: yep. and everything. So, you know, this idea that you would go to watch the goodies being recorded in your yeah. best, best clothes. Yeah, you know, well, I so
2: I'm probably old enough I remember you get dressed up to go to the cinema mm. and stuff years ago. Guess mm. you know, standards that, have fallen. Yes, that's <laughs> right. You know, now we'll you're just, just out wandering now. <laughs> and whatever you're wearing. But, no, I, I thought the Maxi Grease stuff. He was really good, too, actually, the bloke playing Maxi Grease. Yes. Ju-
0: Julian Chagrin.
2: Yes. Yes.
0: Who, again, hasn't got a lot of big... Nate, Nate, no, Nate, he's not an actor. I know he's but... worked with uh, Peter Sellers. He's worked with Spike Milligan. So for someone who probably isn't famous in his own right, mm-hmm. you know, to work with people like that in the goodies, he's obviously had a bit of a fun career.
1: I think the whole sequence from the beginning, you know, where he's addressing the audience, right through to him turning on the audience, well, and then through to the song itself, yeah, I think that might be the best four or five minutes of the goodies for a long time.
2: I thought he did really well. That, you know, he's really obsequious and everything. Yeah. On the, and then he just turned into a complete, complete yeah. bastard when the cameras are off. Yes, yes. What do you, what do you call it? Yeah. Shasty old, old crones. crones. Yes. <laughs> <laughs>
1: and it's funny because we, we've been looking at season three up until this point. And even though this is held over and screened later, it is very much within that block. Mm. And it is very different. It's completely different. It is time. very different, Yeah, yeah.
0: So, look, we've delayed it, but we need to talk about it. Their song that they perform there, written by Bill Mummy, Mummy I Don't, like, I my don't meat. like My Meat. Which <laughs> starts br- off as a very sweet song about a poor family and the, the father's laid up with his rheumatic leg. And they have three extra bouts to feed in the form of the family pets. Yes. Look, I think the, the climax of that song, in terms of the hilarity slash wrongness of it, has to be the line Tomorrow we'll curry the people. <laughs> It's look. I think it was hilarious, mm. in, but it's it's hilarious in its wrongness. And this isn't the goodies. No, like this is the sort of thing I'd expect to get on, you know, maybe the young ones in ten years' yeah. time or something like that. Even
2: Pi- I could possibly say even Python perhaps doing that. Yeah, you know, they they did they did some pretty. Um...
0: They they did push it, but even this would even be at the edge like of
2: like Mrs. <laughs> Beta.
1: <laughs> yes, it it's interesting that that this type of comedy is in the goodies. That this Ooh. is something that Bill and Graham can put down on the page. It is, it, whereas opposed to every to their previous output where it's... Look, I mean, I know the, ta- the show gets tagged with being a children's show when it's, it's sort of not. It's not. There is a darker undertone to, to some of the episodes. Yeah, but this is quite dark. Yeah. And the look of dawning horror on Tim and, and Graham's faces as they're looking at the that lyrics. That was really well done. I mean, the that whole sequence right. is really well done. And, and I
0: think that's what saves and keeps it just the right side of satirical and funny, mm. is that whilst Bill is sincerely delivering these these lines, the absolute look of abject horror and yep. disgust, yep. as you said, Rob, on, on the part of Tim and Graham, mm. shows you that they know that they're pushing the envelope. Like, they know that they're deliberately doing yep. an edgy yeah. piece. Mm. And so you know that they are with you. Yes, on that,
1: and it's not. Yeah, and and the as I said before, the amusing thing is that the audience is laughing, like you know, almost hysterical in the background. But when you think about it, what are they laughing at? They're laughing at the the killing and eating of family pets. Mm. I mean, that's the thing; it makes them complicit in a way.
0: Yes, interestingly enough, as well, watching them. Although in the little sparrow song, Graham sort of joins in because it's quite a simple song to sing. You can tell in this one he's actually not singing at all. He's no, I think, I, he's I think barely, that's he's barely even
2: No, I think it looks like it's an overdub. Yes. But okay. that whole Maxi greasy. that as I said that was a great sequence. Yes.
0: Off the back of that, the agent decides that she does want to hire Bill after all.
2: An only Bill. An only
0: Bill. This leads to another sequence where <laughs> before he's about to sign his contract with the new manager, Graham and Tim decide that they want to be his manager. In a performance that look there's a number of things in here that I can say are wrong, but I find acceptable on the right side of satirical. This sequence I actually was quite uncomfortable with because they do it in what is arguably an, anti- I'll say, it's arguably quite an anti-Semitic joke. This idea that all managers are Jewish. This is a very stereotypical Jewish performance. I actually got quite uncomfortable with this bit. Yes.
2: Mm. I was going to say, I don't quite get... I mean, look. I get obviously they've named them the stereotypical Jewish agent because they they come out as Roger and Brian. Now,
0: now uh, I must be. You're going to correct me, but I assume that it was a reference to Brian Epstein.
2: No, it's actually Roger is Roger Hancock, brother of Tony, and agent of Terry Nation, quite famously. And Brian is Brian Cod, and they were Bill and Graham's real agents in real life. Okay. Although I don't think either of them were Jewish.
0: Yeah, which actually turns it from being. A vaguely acceptable satire into just unnecessary. I,
1: mm. I will differ from you, Dave. That you, you can... The problematic... It's not, I didn't th- find it particularly problematic. I thought it was... You could go you know, even further if you wanted to be really anti-Semitic and try Ooh. and draw a laugh out of that. I thought it was a very light touch. Yes, it's clearly making fun of you know, Jews and, and this supposed attitude to money and all that sort of thing. I found it funny. But I can see why others might be it's,
2: uncomfortable. It's, I, it's maybe a couple of oi from being um, really over the top.
0: Yeah, I, I just thought it, this wasn't something like The Nanny where they're doing a loving before, portrayal of the extremes of, say, you know, the New York Jew or the London Jew. Yep. This, to me, was just a little bit too close to that view that uh, the music industry and the Hollywood and is controlled by the Jews. Yep. And, and I found that just look I, I could see why it would have been funny and I did laugh at some of the jokes particularly you know the actual jokes in the sequence like look it's full of loopholes and yeah the sort of thing <laughs> was very good cool. that, that kept me laughing but on reflection I just look you wouldn't do it today mm. and, and I did find it a little bit a little bit uncomfortable
1: look in these enlightened times today you know you wouldn't do it I give them credit back in the 70s for not going down some more vicious stereotypes mm-hmm. yeah. I, I and that's why I don't find it necessarily as objective as yourself but I can understand you know why people would
0: yeah and, and don't get me wrong, I'm not you know writing off to the BBC you know apples mm-hmm. of horror or anything. I, I get the context and I get I get the humor but it did in an episode where there were a number of times I thought oh this is a bit edgy that was why I actually felt a little I, I
2: think there's there. worse to come though so
0: well, it's are already halfway through the episode.
2: Well, not even, I don't think. No. I, I did have a note at the end of that sequence. When Bill and Isabel walk off, mm. they seemingly actually break the fourth wall and yes. walk out through the...
1: Through the bathroom? Yes. I, I'm just looking at my notes here, and at the end of that, or near the end of that sequence at least, I recall Bill calling them Parasites. Yes, I think that's right because he says that they're just after his money. You're nothing but a pair of parasites. So, taking what all I've said just in, into before, the use of the word parasites in reference to Jewish characters is objectionable because yeah. it harks back to thirties and forties yeah. propaganda. So, that is uncomfortable, definitely. Yeah, yeah. 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 Okay. Moving on. Moving on. <laughs> yes, Bill gets a new image.
0: Do you want to describe this one, Richard?
2: Well, Bill Bill is reinvented as Randy Pandy. <laughs> Now, of course, Tim and Graham come to rescue him, and of course, they said, You know, we come to take you away from this. No thanks. And of course, now Tim is initially, Oh, okay, and he's going to sit down with the groupies. Yes.
0: Oh, well, he actually lies down on top of one almost.
2: Yes, almost. Before Graham obviously stops him, and then they discover, yes, that he's been reborn as Randy Pandy. You're
0: not Randy. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs>
2: It's interesting because they do the bit where they want him back and, of course, they sort of treat Bill like a dog. You know, up, sir! Come on! Let's go!
0: It's an interesting example, and this happens a few times through the series, where, as we said before, it's two of them have to stop the third. Yes. But they don't actually really justify or explain why the third needs to be stopped other than they just don't like him having fun without them. Because there's never actually any sign that Bill is in danger or... Mm. Look, you argue that he's being exploited, but he seems happily happy being exploited.
2: Yes, because so, he obviously just wants to be a star.
0: Yeah, so the, the, the motivations of Tim and Graham are actually quite questionable. Or no. don't stand up to scrutiny and even look at it. Hmm. Hmm.
2: No, that's true. Unless, obviously, they want to exploit him themselves.
0: <laughs> well, well, that's <laughs> that true. And, and this is where they get to that whole sequence of... She reads all the various headlines about... Randy Pandy and his life. Randy Pandy can't cope with stardom. Randy, da, 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 da. He clapped
2: out at 19. <laughs> and, 19!
0: <laughs> <laughs> and then, you know, how he's you know, number one one to five on the...
2: Hit parade hit without parade. having even released a record. Yes. Yeah,
0: which, which I think is really... This is this is the, the real meat of the episode where they're really looking at the way the industry works now. Yeah. Where, where pop stars were more famous for their actions mm. than they actually were for the yes, music.
2: And, and of course you have to keep doing something to keep yourself in the headlines yes. so people will keep noticing you. And, of course, now he needs an image change, so, of course, we're going to pitch him as uh, the leading St. Augustine superstar.
0: Yes. So, look, clearly referenced reference to Jesus Christ Superstar, which yes. came out in 1970, hmm. and with, with all the controversy that <laughs> surrounded that at the time. This, again, now starts to dive into some very funny but also arguably uncomfortable in modern sensibilities territory
2: yes uh, there, there's interesting thing here if you watch it there's what appears to be a couple of fairly obvious edits during that little scene where they're talking particularly about bill being gay or, or scoring with the gay crowd mm. there's a couple of quite what appear to be quite obvious edits, which i actually having done a bit of research i actually don't think they are I don't have access to the camera script, so if anybody does, you can maybe fill me in. <laughs> but looking at the duration of the episode versus the copy I watched, I actually don't think that's edited. Now, whether it was edited, there's something cut out by the BBC prior to going to air out, perhaps, and that's just a horrible edit in production. But I don't actually think the copy I watched was, was edited at all.
0: Now, I got the feeling that a few times there, it wasn't a censor cut, it was the BBC or even mm. the goodies themselves, someone making that final edit. Has decided to cut a line or cut a joke.
2: Yeah, it just they're just really clumsy, both of them. But mm. they may be the last-minute thing, perhaps.
0: Did anyone
2: notice the decor in Isabel's office? Yes, there's some rather interesting leather accoutrements up on
1: the, on the yes. wall. No. Uh, b- directly
2: uh, directly uh, behind her desk. Yes, and there's some
1: over in the corner as well. I yes. Think, and there's a, up. there's a suggestively shaped
2: something. Yes, in the, the corner. Yes. Yeah, I did. Uh, I did notice that. Yes. yes. Probably less said about all that the better. So we'll move on. This is the bit where it's pitched, as we said, changing Bill's image. And she makes the point that this is perfect for you because if we put you out, obviously, as being either androgynous or yeah. being gay, you then, you can score with the women because they want to convert you. You can score with the men because they're not worried that you're going to try and take their women away from them. And then she sort of makes the, the bit they're like, and you even score in the
1: Twilight Zone. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah, it's it's the whole you know the controversy, I suppose, is about David Bowie slash Ziggy Stardust, isn't it? Really, it, it, it is. And,
2: and look, I guess that the, the it, it's hard you, if you want to make the joke, but you've probably got to be careful how you do it. So that's probably
1: look. Looking back through twenty first century's eyes, they're, they're not very careful with it at all. It is no. it is a look, little bit ugly in actual it, fact.
0: If you broadcast that today, mm. it would. Uh, quite rightly be considered offensive.
1: Yes, mm. you burn the place down, basically. Yeah, absolutely.
0: Yeah. You, you're right. I mean, it's no more or less inappropriate, slash, of its time than most of what John Ingman does on Are You Being Served, yep. for example. So, you know, it, it is of its time. Mm. I totally get that, but... Boy.
2: Yeah, yeah. I, I can't see... You you, I, you couldn't do
1: that now. They don't dance no. up to the line, they leap over it,
0: basically.
2: Pretty much.
1: Yeah.
0: yeah. yeah. And, and, and later on, they actually reinforce that, but... <laughs>
1: They double down to a big bike.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Now, we then get
0: to Bill's big performance, Before that, they do
2: actually take the opportunity there to sneak in a Tony Blackburn joke as well because she says when Tony Blackburn sees him on Top of the Pops, he's just going to die. And, of course, they do the, well, at least some good will come out of this.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that was a a very funny moment. Speaking of Top of the Pops, I then cut to that. Now, the DJ there, is that actually...
1: John Peel? Peel? It is is John Peel.
2: Yes, doing a Jimmy Savile impersonation. Is that what he... Oh, the yes. one wig, yeah, of course. Yeah, the blonde wig and the cigar. Oh, God. It's, it's meant to be Jimmy Savile. And he actually even does the clunk-clunk the thing he does at the end, because Jimmy Savile did a road safety ad, and it's clunk-click, I think, is the, the actual ad, oh, okay. to buckle your seatbelt. That was one of the things he was a part of. But I, I suppose you have the bit initially before that where... Tim and Graham are trying to get into Top of the Pops because, you yes. know, um, Tim says he doesn't want to go and Graham says, of course, you have to. And, of course, they have the whole sign with you've got to be over 16, under 17 <laughs> with big knockers.
0: Which is... An, uh, look, look, I, I actually take that as a very nice piece of satire because mm. it is satirising the way that Top of the Pops was functioning. It
2: is. And, I mean, you have the... the they make the joke there with, you know, the groupie girls being herded in like a flock of sheep. Yeah. Coming up, like, being herded off the back of the truck and they're actually...
1: I thought that sequence was very, very good.
0: Yeah, I actually thought it mm. was. And I think, given the points they're trying to make about the industry, yeah, I actually thought that really hit home.
1: And I especially enjoyed the, the turning of the BBC TV Centre into an armed camp where there's these guards with, with the <laughs> helmets on the right
0: police and they've
1: got, they've got the machine gun nest sort of thing ready to go. I thought yeah. that was quite good.
0: Yeah, it was, it was a really good one, and one where the satire really landed,
2: I Yeah, thought. yeah. Yeah, and of course they have a pot star Of course, you know, it's just torn to pieces, basically, by the adoring crowd. It
1: reminded me of the account of when Peter Capaldi was taken into the BBC Centre for his big announcement, and how he was sort of hiding in the back seat, and sort of just just so that the reveal was 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 kept. But uh, yeah.
2: Now, of course, the next step we get in. Tim and Graham obviously don't succeed in getting into top of the pops, but of course, we then get to watch Bill's big performance.
0: Yeah. Now, this song, so it's his main song from St. Augustine... Superstar. Superstar. (laughs) It goes for nearly four minutes.
1: Three minutes and 45 seconds I've timed it. That that, that short, I actually had it just longer than that. (laughs) It
0: it felt like longer.
1: That probably
2: was the weak part for me because it's too long, really.
0: what What I wonder about, we said at the start with their very first couple of songs, they were very cleverly written to be very funny but deliberately bad. Yep. I can't work out with this one, is it again deliberately trying to be awful? Is it satirising something in particular, or is it just that Bill's written a very awful song? Uh, look, I get that
2: the thing is obviously those big performances, you know those big sort of drawn-out things, and the girls are screaming, mm-hmm. and then they rush up on the stage and they do whatever, and there's the video effects. Yes and everything other the top, including, unfortunately, one bit that actually sees the end on it when they're putting a couple of the... Didn't you uh, didn't say that? When, when they're putting the CSO effects over it, there, there's yep. one bit there where they cut and it actually has the start of the closing credits oh, on it, unfortunately, for a split second. But.
0: Now, this brings back really bad memories for me because I alluded before to the fact that the only other time I've seen this was on a very bad multi-generation copy. So, on this copy, when I watched it the first time, the picture dropout was so bad... But accentuated by all those visual effects in the story, and because the music is so badly mixed during that song, Mm. that even on a good copy you can barely understand the words. The sound drop out on this was so bad it was almost just like a a sort of a, and I physically got like headaches watching that the first time. It was really really bad. Even the second time, Mm. I I had to skip through it. It was just really quite awful. I I
2: just found that that sequence probably too long.
0: I think it
1: was too long. I mean, I'm. I would say it's deliberately satirising that sort of appeal to both gender markets you know mm. I mean you had you the, the pans nuns the, the, dancing uh, the min-
2: and the mincing monks the mincing monks I mean <laughs> which is the Fred Tomlinson singers yet again yes
1: when you mentioned that from uh, a couple of ago yeah. I think
0: the problem is that we know it's Bill Ody, and yep. no matter what costume you put him in or what context it is yeah. it's, it's clearly just Bilotti. Yeah. so I don't think it really lands the song is annoying It goes for nearly four minutes and yeah. look, this, this is the bit of the, st- the, the whole thing just falls out Mm. This one. Mm. Which is a shame because it's.
1: I didn't find it as bad as you, but I, it, it, it would have been better if it had been slimmed down.
0: Mm. Fair
2: enough. So then, of course, after his big performance, he's about to undergo yet another identity change to become Randy Pandy Super Porf. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yes, which he does reject to then become Big Fat Nelly. Yeah. Look, look let, let, let's be honest. We're, we're back to if this was shown today, yeah. it would rightfully be called offensive. Yes, yep. and, and frankly, I would be quite offended by it. Yeah. In context, if the joke and the whole point of the episode is to talk about the extremes that the music industry goes to to try and stay in the headlines to try and mm. give relevance, then this is a really good example of that sort of extreme. Yeah. I totally get why it's doing it. I totally yeah. get it. I did again start to feel a bit uncomfortable with it, but only because of today's sensibilities. Mm. Yeah.
2: I mean, look, it's probably not helped. By the fact that uh, how Tim and Graham next decide to rescue Bill
0: no no
1: it's an interesting intervention I took away from it that you, you've adopted this gay persona mm. we you know we're now attracted to you mm. and this is a way of turning Bill off that
2: yeah well it has a desired effect obviously because then yeah. he breaks
0: well I think they're, they're trying to highlight to him how absurd what he's doing is mm. and how outrageous what he's doing is mm. and For him to suddenly see them doing that same thing, he goes... Mm. I think that the intention, I think, is that they're holding a mirror up to him and when he sees his reflection, so to speak, realises what he's done and how far he's gone. okay, Okay. Seems more reasonable Um, than my thought, so... Yeah. Which, which, again, as a plot point, I think it absolutely works. Mm. Personally, watching them do that performance of the stereotypical gay man, I didn't... I I was uncomfortable. Mm.
1: It is uncomfortable viewing...
2: It is, and I, again, I think, and particularly the end bit where they come outside, and of course, all, all Randy Pandy's new groupies, new yes. male groupies, of course, immediately latch onto them.
1: And it is depressing viewing because if that is the popular imagination of what homosexual men look like and act, it doesn't say very much about people from the '70s, does it? If that, if that is your, if that is what you think homosexuals are, effeminate effete you know, badly okay. dressed but, people... But
0: don't, don't forget homosexuality was still illegal, certainly in Australia at that point. I yeah. I think it was only... If it was legal, Britain mm-hmm. was only just... Yeah, only yeah.
2: recently. I think it's in late 60s, I think. Yeah, I, I understand
1: um, that. But it's just that this, this, if this is what we think are... This is the public depiction of homosexuals. I, mean, I don't think it says much about the audience at all. No, it
0: mm. it, is, it is unfortunately a very accurate reflection mm. of the times.
2: Yeah, which is... Sad. I mean, it's hard, but I guess you want to play it for laughs. So, of course, what do you do? You go for the most obvious stereotype you can,
1: and people laugh.
2: So. Yes. So uh, I get why they've gone down that path. I mean, yeah. look, you may say it's wrong, but you want to laugh
1: out of this. No, I mean, in terms of they, the comedy, I can understand why they did it. But you know, they're they're using what I would understand to be the common belief or expectation of what a, yes. a, a game man yeah. or men look like, which. Obviously, it's not true, but no. No,
0: and and especially given that they work in the entertainment industry, so themselves, I suspect would have had a lot of homosexual men as their friends and colleagues. Yes. So they would have known better. Yes. But it's still... That is... Look, I I guess it's like blackface. You know, blackface now looks completely and utterly wrong. Mm. We'll talk about the black and white minstrel show in future episodes. Yes. That was was comedy at the time. Yeah. Mm. And as I say, it's it tells us story well and it satires the industry very well and a lot of it's very funny but you're right you do look at it, some of it and just go that is actually quite right yeah, I was going to
2: say we've actually got a fair way from the start where we said this was a really amusing episode haven't we
1: um, none of this takes away from the fact that no. I find it hilarious but you know we're not, um, we're not stupid we can understand no, where know. they go up against the line very hard mm. yeah. I mean I guess that leads us obviously to
2: Bill's soliloquy at the end yeah. where he comes to the realisation that it's all just manufactured
1: and it's all fake. Yes. I mean, he, he delivers those lines very well, I think, with a, with a bit of heart. He, he just wants to sing. The character yeah. wants to sing, not to be manufactured and led no. by the nose. Even at that... Well, before that point, he's willing to be led by the nose, but at this well, point... Well, he just wants to be
2: a star. I yeah. mean, the whole thing where she says she's going to take all these money and everything, that's, that's fine, that's fine, you're going to make me a
1: star... And they, even today, that have, has resonance mm. with the, the variety, you know, the, the various uh, TV talent shows that you mm. get, where you know, a lot of them just want to be on television and just mm. be seen mm. and are willing to be manipulated to an extent if, if they get or, to a certain Or indeed moment. willing to come
2: on and make complete heads of themselves on television, well, just, yes. just again so you can get on TV.
0: Well, Big Big Brother's probably the obvious one. Yeah. Where yeah. people just put themselves up, to mm. deliberately knowing they're going to be an object of public ridicule. Mm just for their 15 minutes of fame. Yeah. And, and the hope that maybe they'll be the one out of that series that gets a B-grade. Yeah, but we,
2: we, we can't all be William Hung or whatever his name is.
0: No, well, no. Well, he was very smart. He did two albums and then got back to his real life.
1: Mm. Mm. Or well. indeed Margarita Prakatan, if you...
0: Oh! <laughs> <laughs> uh, I,
1: I don't know any of the two people that you've just
2: mentioned. William Hung, he was the guy he went on... was the US... Was it X Factor or one of those? No, no, it was oh, yeah. um, Idol. Idol.
0: he sang what's the Ricky Barton song she bangs yeah he sang that with an incredibly heavy Asian accent
2: and I of course am. they got stuck in it. it got racial and everybody was like oh poor black you know you pack of bastards how dare you pick on him
0: <laughs> but he, he was quite smart enough to realize that there were people who for the next year were booking him to laugh at him I he was smart enough to know that's exactly what they were doing took the money for a year and then got out thanks for the cash now I'
2: Margarita Prakatan was, Clive James, I think, brought her to public notice. Yes. She was this Latino singer. You can find her on YouTube. Yeah, but yeah okay. it's, it's, She's really bad. Okay. It's like a real Mar- Carmen Miranda type outfit. At but
0: the, at the end of Clive James' shows, he would say, And now to take us out, Margarita Prakatan. Yeah. And she would perform thinking the audience loved her, no. and they're laughing at her for the whole, whole thing. And I don't think she ever realised. Quite, that. no. So, gentlemen, we've got, we've got to the end of the episode. It's I find it really hard to summarise this one, because there were moments I was absolutely laughing. I found it hilarious, found it clever, found it insightful, and there are other yeah. moments when I was kind of looking over my shoulder, making sure nobody was watching mm. me watch this.
2: And, and I think that's probably come out in the discussion as well. Yeah. I mean, look, and it's interesting, it's probably again an episode of two halves. I mean, the first half, you're sort of, you're amused, but you're shocked. Mm. And I, I think the second half, it, it's probably more, this is now getting really dark.
1: Yes, it's one of those episodes where if you're laughing you should probably pause and say why am I laughing but not feel too guilty about it perhaps. But
0: and is part of it the fact that it's the goodies. Like if this was a show that was deliberately designed for black humor mm. and it was deliberately like you go into it knowing that you're going to get edgy inappropriate black humor that would be one thing when you watch it you know and it's the goodies. Yeah. And, you, you know, they're, they're guys that we love and mm. enjoy and think they're wonderful entertainers. The so you go, I'm, I'm kind of disappointed in them. Is that part
1: of that? I'm not disappointed in them. I, I think it's... This is unusual because of its edginess. Yeah. Yes. And it's you're sort of reacting to the fact that... Hang on, I've watched 20-odd episodes before this that are funny, but they're not as near the knuckle as this. No,
2: that's the thing. I mean, look, this is an episode, look, kids would get nothing out of, or very, very little. Yeah, I would agree. And, and I would suggest... Because it's entirely satire, and there's no slapstick in there, no speeded-up film, nothing like that. Mm. I, I can see that's probably why the BBC had such a big issue with it. Because, let's face it, they've done probably slightly edgy stuff before, but it's always leavened with 20-something minutes other stuff of mm. their, their usual tropes. Yep. Whereas this really isn't lightened by anything. It's just incredibly satirical. It's very dark in places.
1: It, it actually prefigures... Some of the, some of the '80s British comedy doesn't it?
0: Mm. It does. Yeah.
2: I mean, in some ways, you can say, look, it, it does show that there is a hell of a lot more to this show than, than speeded up film and slapstick humour. But
0: and, and, and this is maybe the point: if you uh, have this same script but performed by, say, Ben Elton, Adrian Ebbinson, Rick Mayle, mm. would it feel different, or would it feel more appropriate, or
1: probably feel more appropriate? Yeah. Mm. Yeah, because their their style of, of humour is is darker. Is I mean, we keep on saying it, edgier, more contemporary temporary, perhaps? Yeah. Yeah. And I, I just want to say, or ask, I know we don't want to jump too far ahead, but this style of storytelling where it's just a single idea all the way yeah. through, it, does this sort of indicate where the goodies are going to go in seasons four, five, and, and six, seven? I
0: think it is a bit. It, it is. But so, I mean,
1: not as edgy and dark as this necessarily. No, they don't
2: do anything as edgy and dark as this ever again, really. I don't think they ever go anywhere near this again.
0: Uh, I think you're right in terms of Look, for example, we don't have any ads in this. No. And we don't have any sped-up footage. And and, and those things that have been absolute staples up until now are not dropped outright, but become a lot more expendable as the show goes on.
1: Mm.
2: Plus, I suppose, once you get into next season and the seasons after, they've now been at this for three, four years. So Mm. they've probably got a much better idea of what works and what doesn't, what the audience want and what the BBC want Mm. and what they don't. And, I mean, they do make the point they now know to write probably when you get to season four and beyond, they now know to write the film sequences because they've got such a good handle on how they work. Yep. So they're not wasting a minute of film. No, they, they know exactly what they want to do. They set the gag up. They can really visualise it. And, of course, away they go. So they're not mucking around, wasting half a day while they work out how they're actually going to do it.
0: Okay, yeah. Well, we should get on our regular segments.
2: Well, there aren't any ads. There so... aren't any ads.
0: Let's move on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> tropes and first you mentioned earlier richard the tony blackburn gag which was very good yes there's also a julie andrews track, which i think we wondered if that was going to become a trope and i think it really yeah. has by now
2: yeah i think so uh be true to me or i'll break your knuckles <laughs> <it
0: was>. <laughs> <laughs> any others i mean look for first you'd say it's the first time they've done an almost adults only show mm. but we've discussed that for a while
2: yeah I don't think so because there's no none of really of the character that you associate with them come through in this I mean there's no really patriotic stuff or no, anything no, from no Tim learning uh, scientists Graham doesn't really give any learning scientists probably Bill really I guess with the music and, and the idea that yes he really wants to be a star mm.
0: gentlemen this is either going to be an incredibly quick or slightly longer discussion than usual of what couldn't they get away with today?
1: Depiction of Jews and depiction of homosexuals. That's about it. Oh, no, the groupie girls for Top of the Pops. I think, yeah. Yes.
2: Yeah, I mean, look, I guess at the time that would have just been a joke. Now, yeah, 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 yeah. it's... Yeah, it takes
1: on sinister overtones. But look,
0: this is not an episode you'd make today. Or if you did, it would be a very, very different episode from Top to bottom.
1: There are different ways to satirise the music industry that don't involve these sort of stereotypes, absolutely. Mm.
0: Yeah.
1: yeah. Yep. That said, I'm glad that they did it because it's hilarious in
2: parts. There's a in lot parts, of great stuff in here. Yeah, yeah there is. In parts, I must admit, I, I still think this is a very good episode, even allowing for the, the you know, stuff we spent the last ten minutes discussing. <laughs> yeah, look, yeah. I
0: hope listeners, we, We've had a very serious conversation because there is, is some serious stuff here to discuss. But don't let that take away at all the fact that we've had a very clever and enjoyable and... I know that as each of us was watching, we were sending texts around <laughs> in sort of amusement and stunned
1: display. Display. yes.
0: So it's very engaging. There's, there's a lot to commend it, but there were moments I was looking over my shoulders hoping no one saw me watching this.
2: Yeah, at, at times it's very close to the knuckle. Yeah.
0: Speaking of, Rob, what was your favourite gag?
1: Well, there's so many to choose from, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> so, so many. Look... I enjoyed Maxi the Maxi Grease performance a great deal. Yeah. I mean, look, I, I could go into the song itself. I mean, that that is very, very funny. But Maxi Grease, the smarminess, giving way to the viciousness. You know, shut up, you nasty old crones. I thought that that was in a, in a sea of great lines. Uh, I really like that one.
2: Richard? As I said earlier, there is something... Highly amusing about three grown men singing. If I were a pretty little sparrow, <laughs> it's a bit where she says, "There's a couple of numbers there in hot pants. I want you to drop
1: them." He's like, "Sorry." And she says, "I can see it already. Can you?" <laughs> they both work together really well. Yeah, actually, there's another another good one there where um, where she she speaks to Bill. She goes, "William, let's get straight to it, to the point. I want to handle you." Beats Bill says, "Big pardon." Yeah, that's also quite good.
0: And <laughs> I, I think this is the thing we've. Obviously targeting on some of the big jokes or the big images in there. But all the way through, and this perhaps brings to a close what I've been talking about for the past seven weeks when it comes to season three. All the way through, there's just these wonderful puns, little gags, verbal gags, that just, even if you take aside everything Mm. else, it's just funny. Mm. There's just lots of jokes, as you said. And yeah, they're a really good double act.
2: Mm. And I I actually would... Probably put another shout-out for her. I thought she was excellent. She was really, really good, Barbara Mitchell.
0: Excellent. Is there anything else we want to say about this one before we sign off? Uh, Look, it's been really interesting to watch. I had a lot of fun. Yep, go out and watch
2: it when the DVD comes. Hopefully uh, it's on there unedited. Yes, excellent.
0: So we'll be back next week with the start of Season 4, which is the episode Camelot. Mm. But until then, maybe you'll take a walk in the Black Forest. I could wear stilts. I want you to be a success. I want to manage you, mould you, push you, exploit you, work you into the ground, screw every penny I can out of
1: you. I want you to make
0: me rich.